I don't know about you, but those lyrics and the two songs that the, the team just offered up in worship for us to uh, be a part of are very much uh, the vision that uh, we are continually trying to walk into here because a lot of us, I know, we have different ideas about what it means to be the church and in the best sense of the word, what you just sang are those things that are really the heart cry to be a part of something very powerful that's going to make a difference, that can be engaging and purposeful and energizing. And all of that, as good as it is, doesn't come easy. Matter of fact, uh, just like uh, your car that you drove in here today, maybe you enjoyed having like a a Bluetooth connection to your phone and uh, the fact that a digital display told you all kinds of information about what's going on around you and even beyond. And as you're driving down the road, it anticipates so much in order to get the optimal fuel economy. And then after it calibrates all of that, it has sensors that indicate when it's time to repair something or have something that is not functioning um, uh, brought back into order. And all of that stuff is what engineers do in order for the experience to be good. And as a pastor... There are a lot of hats that I have to wear in this role. Uh, One of them is kind of that engineer to help make everything that happens within the body uh, that is good, that is exciting, that is joyful, that is rewarding uh, occur in, in in, in, in the least dysfunctional way possible. And it's not easy because of, the, of, of what we, we all have to work with, really what God has to work with in you and I. And we're launching a new series, and I, I was trying to get a sense of what best embodied uh, what we are trying to do in, in, in being the best people that we can be for God. And uh, the, because this has been sort of a meme or something in our family that has been perpetuated for a while, I thought, Minions, that's perfect. But how does Minions fit the church? And believe it or not, it does. And if you're curious how you get from there to here, uh, maybe I'll explain a little bit. When you think of the word Minions, what do you think of? Sort of like the little evil clones that are executing the plans of the mastermind supervillain. Uh, at least that would be initially my, my impression of it. But what I didn't realize until I was looking into this message series was the word minion is, is really the same word that is used in filet mignon. Did you know that? I thought that was weird too. But if you were in France in the 1500s and you used the word mignon... That was a person who followed faithfully as a servant, someone that they respected highly and were wanting to be loyal to. Knowing that, the loyalty that they had towards that person wouldn't always be well understood by the people who were on the outside. And the person that they were loyal to, oftentimes uh, in that cluster of misunderstanding, Uh, was someone that people looked upon suspiciously. And you know, as I was thinking about that, I thought, Jesus. And I thought, wow, by that definition, you and I, or quite possibly everyone in the room, are minions for the Lord. Now, I've never heard that reference before, but I, I think it works. 
And a minion is somebody who, as you're looking at the definition a little bit farther, um, you know, they, they have this sense that whatever, whatever the master or the sovereign says, we just have to live that out because our presence, wherever we go, is going to embody everything that characterizes uh, the one that we serve. And I look at the church and I realize that's exactly what God has in mind for us. The church is really the only pathway that God has established through time and place that consistently brings about uh, into the lives of people who never heard it before the good news that Jesus Christ is Lord. But the church also has to be organized in such a way that they can, they can accomplish it in a, in, a, in a meaningful and fruitful way. Now, if you think about minions in that way, I think the definition still fits. But here's where the breakdown is, and that's the word messes. Now, mess is something that none of us, maybe we enjoy, but most of us probably try to avoid if, all, if at all possible. But a mess is something that uh, is actually, uh, it is that cauldron of really dysfunctionality, ambiguity, brokenness that God turns into something very beautiful and special. It's really where God does his best work. But there are some messes that we create that are self-inflicted messes, and there are some messes that are already out there that God is saying, I am using you to bring about change in that situation. Now, I could, I could probably zoom out with the rest of you and say that there are a lot of messes happening in the world uh, just pick a continent, or better yet, pick a country, and chances are there's been a terrorist attack or there's been some kind of conflict or escalation of differences that has resulted in violence. And we've heard it so much, it's almost like we're becoming jaded to those realities. But the fact is, in our heart of hearts, we say, how come people can't just get along? And the... The irony is that the people that are making those messes, and maybe we're part of that equation, those people are the very people, both sides of those particular um, conflicts, are the very people that God says, I have a vision that one day the mess will be cleaned up in such a way that rather than have violence towards one another, Rather than trying to assert your will over one another, I have a vision that there will be peace and there will be unity and there will be joy. Now, I love that vision, but I have yet to see it play out in the world that I live in. But you know the funny thing? Is that as God is looking at those situations and calling people out of those situations into a place, actually into a family of people, called the church, he's saying, I want to show you the very beginnings of this process. And as the church begins to live out her role and purpose in the world, God is working in each of us minions to change us so that our hearts are in a different place. And the messes that we make and the messes maybe that brought you in here today or that brought you in here at one point in your life where you said, this mess is so great, God, I, there is no other option here but to go to you. 
in a spirit of just complete and utter dependence because I've tried everything else to clean it up and I can't. And maybe God spoke to your heart and said, I'm all about messes. I'm all about cleaning them up. And I'm all about showing you my presence in the middle of the mess. And maybe you're here because you're thinking, perhaps the church of all places can give me hope. And if you just zoom back to my role in this whole thing, the man behind the curtain, my job is to make sure that if God's doing that, that what needs to happen here happens the way it should. But I don't recommend anyone taking on the role of being a pastor because it can get pretty messy. It's a calling. God says, uh, to, to one minion you do this, another minion you do that, and to Leonard Minion, you're a pastor. I'm like, oh, I don't think I can do it. He's like, no, you can't do it. But if I call you to do it and I give you an understanding of what the job is about, then I will enable you to do whatever you can't do on your own. And that really is the miraculous part of this whole thing. As God is working miraculously in your lives through your mess, he's working miraculously in churches so that churches can be who they need to be in hopeless situations that by the standards of just natural events um, cannot be overcome. And yet, as we gather in this place today, God is doing something very special. I believe that. I believe that as he assembles us, he's already working on us and in us and through us. And perhaps part of my job as the man behind the curtain a little bit is to just try to keep things aligned in the right direction. So if you'll bear with me just a little bit, um, I I, want to look at, at what we do here. Every Sunday, somebody comes through the door And uh, we might just look at them as somebody just checking out the church. Heard they had a good kids program, you know, or I heard somebody said that, you know, God really worked in my life there. But I'll tell you what's really happening. Those things are true, but on a deeper layer, layer, God has been working in the lives of people who come into our doors for quite a period of time. And he's been tracking with each of us and them in a way that says, when the time is right, I'm going to lead you to First Christian Church. I'm going to lead other people to other churches. But I'm going to lead you there. And what I hope and what God trusts is that when you are led here, the mess isn't so great that you can't see God in the mix. My hope is that when you come here, there are other people who say, we are so glad you're here. They're not going to smother you over the top, but they're just going to show you that your presence here matters. Because we know, as insiders to what God is doing, he's been doing something in your life. And now the baton has been passed to us. And we have a responsibility to do something about that. How does that play out? Well, the first thing I want to tell you is that if you look at it scripturally, Scripture says essentially that we have a duty to do this. We have a duty that says everyone that comes into this building should be able to enjoy the exact same hospitality that God himself would show to us and has shown to us in his own way through his son. 
And so being aligned with that is our duty. Duty is kind of a weird word because it conjures up this idea, yeah, I got to do it. But the truth is, the more you do it, the more it's really less of a duty than a calling. And you start to see people and you realize God's doing something in their life. God's calling them here. And now I'm on. And God, I may not even know what to say. And so under my breath, and I know many people here under their own breath are saying, God, how would you have me show hospitality to this moment, to this person, in a way that honors the process that you've been at work in for quite a while? And in that sense, it is our duty, but maybe it's more helpful to say it's our calling. Here's what I know that Jesus has been doing up to that point. In Revelation chapter 3, there is a statement that is made by John describing the unseen realm of our heart and the interaction that 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 has with God. And the understanding that John received from that was the description of Jesus saying, Here I am. I stand at the door of your heart and I'm knocking. And I don't think you're hearing me. I think you might be ignoring me. Or you are just in that place in your life where you're ready to hear. And Jesus is knocking especially on the door in that moment. And what I especially appreciate is how he says, if anyone hears my voice, bless you by the way, and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they will with me. Now, if you just think for a minute how Jesus has been working in your life in the last week, month, year, chances are from his point of view, this is what he's been doing. And what I I like about it is so many people who come into our place tell me this, I, I can quote it verbatim. They say this, My life is so different from what you guys do there that I can only imagine that the day I come, the roof will fall in, lightning will strike, the building will collapse in on itself, and any variation of those themes just to say, God doesn't want me in that place because I don't fit. But I want you to know something about God. Everyone fits. If God says anyone The Bible underscores that anyone by saying, everyone made in my image is welcome in my church. That's a pretty tall order because we're all pretty different, let's be honest. We all have different views of the world, different politics, different ideas about how things are. And yet God says... You too. As a pastor, I'm just saying, that, Lord, is impossible. And God is saying, yes, Leonard, you're right. That is impossible. It is miraculous. And I console myself with the fact that something miraculous is happening here. However, I know people. I'm one of them. I know how I work. I'm not always sweetness and light. I'm not perfect. I love the Lord with all my heart. I try to love people with all my heart. But there are occasions when I just get in the way. 
And so that creates a dilemma. The dilemma is when God calls us into a body of people like this, he calls us to include everyone. And as we include everyone, everyone starts to grow. Everyone starts to be transformed. And everyone begins the process of delayering things that are unfit for the new creation, which is our destiny. The dilemma is when we get together as individuals before the Lord in worship, it's not so bad. But whenever we meet together in groups to try to accomplish things purposefully, which is part of God's design, that's where it can break down. If you've ever been in a, in a committee or a group to do something, a task uh, in your work or in some other setting, you know what it's like. Chances are that the loudest voice gets their way. Or chances are the person with the strongest will gets their way. Or chances are, as you are in that group, no one agrees on anything. It just happens. It's just the nature of the way we are. We all have our own ideas about how things ought to go. But yet, the dilemma is one that God understands and actually has a means to address. The dilemma is one that we have to be honest with as a church. That it is real. That it happens. But there are ways to overcome. And I love uh, meeting with people who understand it. Know that there are ways to overcome. And then behave into it. So had meetings with several people in this room. And I can, I can say most of them... It's been pretty good because we share a lot of the same ideas. And that is we have to check our will at the door. And we have to ask the question, God, you know my will. You know my opinions. But in this moment, in this conversation, and in what you're trying to accomplish, what are you doing? Your will be done. And there's nothing more refreshing than seeing the tone and the climate of a room change from that of strong wills that escalate tensions to a sense of humility that, hey, God's in charge here. It's his church. We're just his minions. And we're here to do whatever it is that he wants us to do. And if we check ourselves, that stuff that we sang about happens. If we don't check ourselves and we imitate the world around us. And what, what, what causes these conflicts that people have? Why do they escalate? They escalate because of a lack of desire to understand where other people are coming from. But it gets worse. A desire to assure, assert what you think is the right view of reality onto other people who don't share that same view. And as you are pursuing your will against those people, it often escalates into, into a stalemate that is expressed through violence. And it's because of our egos, it's because of our ambitions, it's because of our view is the only view and our understanding is the only understanding. And God says, I want you to be a part of my family forever. But that stuff, it won't work here. So we take our egos and we check them at the door. We take our agendas and we try to make it his agenda. We take our pride and we say, Lord, you just, you know how it's supposed to be. And God's saying, I know how it's supposed to be much more profoundly than you do.
And I am creating something that cannot work based on your understanding of things alone. And so all that stuff is happening behind the scenes as you come here. If you're new here, that's what we wrestle with. It creates a dilemma. And the only way that it works is when Jesus is elevated in the process. In actually every process, every conversation. And everything that we do not only puts him first, but we try to train ourselves to love Love the, um, I'm not going to say super villain because God is not a super villain. He's, he's not even a superhero. He's just God. He's greater than all that. And as his minions, we just do what he wants us to do in the way that he's made us to do it. And this dilemma is something that um, churches wrestle with. They have for since the beginning, if you've ever heard the story about the early church, it wasn't, all, it wasn't all roses and it wasn't all utopia. There were two letters that Paul wrote in the Bible that said, this situation is jacked up. Now, when they started gathering, they realized that they had something special. And it was a glass half full. It was awesome. There was a honeymoon period going on and everyone felt great about it. But like any glass that's half full, it's also half empty. And pretty soon, the honeymoon ends. People start seeing and sizing up one another. And they start getting a bead on things the way they've always gotten a bead on things. And pretty soon, it's, um, it's, it, it, it begins to break down and play out just like any other organization in the world. Unless, unless you get the right things in order in the right way. Or should I say the right person in order in the right way. And then things come correct. Paul wrote something in the book of First and Second Corinthians, which are the two books I referred to a minute ago. Those books are really like a case study in everything dysfunctional about the church. That's what I like about the Bible. It's honest. It says, this is how they screwed up. And I'm going to put that in the Bible so that you don't get a sense that Everybody's perfect in the church. They're not. Paul said to this group of people, by the time he's written 11 chapters, he's almost done. But he finally says, in a spirit of frustration, but in the following instructions, I cannot praise you for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. And I'm reading that and I'm thinking, Paul, should that be in scripture? And I can only hear Paul saying, you better believe it should be in Scripture because forewarned is foretold. It is a way of underscoring the seriousness of how God wants this body to behave differently than everything else that you see in the world. It's the environment that God says, I see lost souls that are breaking down and in desperate straits. And I want more than anything to find a safe place where they can grow and they can thrive in. And I want the people who are growing and thriving there to be those safe people that allow them to begin to take on life and life eternal. It's a pretty tall order to be the church. The church is the greatest place for personal change. But it also has the greatest potential uh, for a lot of chaos and destruction. And you hear stories all the time. It's our dilemma. But here's how I want to end it. 
I just want you to be aware of something. And that's this. As you look at our duty, our responsibility, our calling, which creates the dilemma that we face, beyond that, there is, there's an understanding that if we get it clear, it'll all begin to make sense and work out the way it should. And so the duty that creates the dilemma is resolved by, I'm going to just use an alliteration as corny as it is, the doctrine that is taught that remedies everything, and it's called grace. Now, doctrine is just a word that is like, it's old as minions. Uh, It basically is what the doctor says, the teachings of the doctor is the doctrine. And Jesus, of all things, embodied this doctrine in his person. He came filled, John says, with grace and truth. How you do that, I don't know. Because here's the truth of the matter. We're here. We're minions. All of us can say we have our issues. And all of us could probably say at one time, the building should have fallen in, but it didn't when I came in here. And then here's God. And in between is this gap. And God is trying to close this gap with willful, strong-minded people like us. And it's nearly impossible without that one ingredient that fills the gap. And you know what that is? Grace. It is God's ability to do that which we cannot do ourselves. It is God's ability to do within the church that which the leaders can't do within themselves. It is God's ability in all of his holiness and perfection and beauty to not be stained by the blemish of our inconsistencies and our sin and to bring the two together. His grace And here's the secret. You will not find grace like that anywhere else but God's church. When God's church is doing what God's church is supposed to be doing for the one whom they're supposed to be doing it for. So behind the curtain, we know there are minions. We know there are messes. And we know the only God can offer the miracles that make the impossible happen here. Maybe you're here today because you're thinking, I've been sort of wrestling with this God thing, and I'm just going to put my toe in the water a little bit. I just want to assure you, we're not going to push you in. But you get a little bit farther in, we might. Just a heads up. Because God's doing something in your life. And I'm not going to force it but I just want to I'm going to come alongside it and if God is saying I want you to be a part of my family forever because the things you've been connected to so far are not getting it and there's a family despite all of the misconceptions that you have about the family like they're a bunch of hypocrites or they're very judgmental or all they want is my money or they you know, they're, they're like the Amish. They dress funny and they talk funny and they act funny. God is saying, just put that aside. If it's working the way it should be working, it is a place where, believe it or not, it should be the most tolerant, 
location on the planet. It is a place where a person is drawn into an environment and the person who does the judging actually is, is God's spirit. But the way he does it is in such a way that is productive rather than pushing us down. It's more convicting like, here's the vision, here's where you're at. Do you really want to stay there? So I don't tell anybody what they should or shouldn't do. I try to teach. I try to guide. I try to come alongside. If you're a leader and you're, and, 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 and you're falling out of your role, I do have an obligation to call you out. But for many people, it's just a matter of ministering in a spirit of grace. Because the community that God has created here is the only hope that the world has. And if you've been a part of this community for a while, maybe this is a reminder of our reason for being. But if you're new to the community, I hope that the things that I said match up with the things that you see. Because we really do want anyone and everyone that God leads here to be with us forever in his family. So I'm just going to close this message out with this thought. A person who becomes a part of a family does it through the natural process of procreation and birth. A person who becomes a part of God's family does it through the process of following Jesus into the grave and then following him out of the empty tomb. And the best description that the church has designed to practice that is baptism. Just saying, Lord, I want to die with you so I can rise with you and become a new creation. And I'm so excited about things that I see happening here because that has happened in so many lives. 